Morning, everybody. Morning, Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who it speaks about and points us to. Thank you for the life that he offers to us. May we receive it with joy this morning, I pray. In his name. Amen. Amen. I was just thinking uh, as we were singing that last song, usually when you're about to preach in church on a Sunday, you kind of, uh, I, don't, you, I don't know if you've ever done this or seen somebody do this, but you sort of sit there and you go, oh, I'm, I'm just about to get up. I'm going to psych myself up. I'm okay. I'm all right. I know what I'm going to say. It's all going to be fine. Sometimes I do actually know what I'm going to say when I start speaking. Uh, nowadays, it's just, I'll blow my nose. I'll give my nose a good blow. Then I'll blow my nose again. Then I'll blow it again. And then we'll hope that I can speak clearly and loudly and explicitly for long enough uh, that either I get to the end of what I want to say or Jesus returns uh, before my uh, voice gives up. So uh, if you have a cold or sore throat or anything else this morning, then we're in the same boat. And just like the Jews and the Gentiles that Paul is writing about in this passage from chapter 3 of Ephesians, we're in one family together. Some inheritances we receive can be wonderful, can't they? You can be set for life if your parents have invested well financially or in other ways. Or you can be given the love of a football team that come what may will not do what you need them to do, Richard. Isn't that right? That's the only one for this morning. Or, like me, one of my inheritances from my parents is that both sides of my family have blocked noses, like constantly, without ceasing, and it doesn't matter what I do, what spray I spray up my nose, pills I take, anything else, I just can't breathe properly through my nose. And I'll tell you what, COVID has done an absolute number on my nose. And so when we're talking about inheritances this morning, there are much more serious things to talk about. But this is what passes for an illustration in a sermon. Some inheritances you want and others you don't. I'm sure you can think of some inheritances you receive that you're extremely grateful for and others that you wish had stayed exactly where they were. So Paul, one of my things about Paul is that he likes to talk about Paul. I don't know if you've noticed that. Paul likes to talk about Paul. He likes to tell them, not just in this letter, in every letter that he writes it seems to me, I, Paul, am doing this. I, Paul, am suffering this. I, Paul, have experienced this. I, Paul, have been given the greatest gift that's ever been given. And all of that, just in case you were wondering, Paul both thinks very little of himself when it suits him. And also, at other times, he seems to think quite a lot of himself and to want to prove to anyone who listens or reads that he, Paul, alone, has the special revelation. I don't know if you've ever met people who tell you that they've got the special revelation that God, although he has revealed the whole of himself to all of creation in Christ Jesus, is told just that one person 
particularly something special that no one else has ever heard before. That's dodgy, that is. Gnosticism, they call it. That's a good theological word for a Sunday morning. It's where you've got your extra stuff. If you come, you know, join my club, buy my t-shirt, touch the screen, give me 50 quid, and I'll tell you the thing that you need to know that you've never known before. But actually, Paul disproves himself, even in this passage, because he says, God has revealed himself to the world in Christ. God's purpose is to use the church and the unity of the church between the Jews, which is one big group of people, and the Gentiles, which as we've discussed recently is everybody else, which includes us today, to be together in unity. Now, it's good being in an ecumenical church, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you get to get rid of all the stuff that can divide you and be united about the key things about following Jesus. Whereas if you're in a single denominational church, sometimes the denominational stuff gets a bit overexcited and decides to be kind of the front and centre piece of, you know, we're only going to do this because this is what we do here. Also, sometimes in an ecumenical church, there's a bit of push me pull you takes place, isn't there? Between, well, I like it done this way, and I like it done this way, and I like it done that way. I'm going to stamp my feet. Obviously, nobody in the room this morning has ever done such a thing. Precious. No, that smile, you know, it's never been new, has it? The push me pull you of denominationalism, I prefer communion this way, I, I like baptism that way, I like the chairs to face this way or this way. I like coffee to be done in that kitchen there, I like it done over here. Oh, I used to like it when the toilet was over here. But yeah, all of that. I don't like that green door. <laughs> People can get a bit like that sometimes, can't they? Can't they? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it more exciting that because of Jesus, we can approach God with confidence above everything else? That's what this is about this morning. Everybody suffers. Paul has spent a good amount of time explaining just how much he's going through it. He's probably both overdone it and underplayed it, I should think, at the same time, if that's possible to do. But he suffered a great deal because of the message that he proclaimed. And the reason that he suffered a great deal is because when God reveals all of himself to people like you and me, other folks don't like it much. Because it's hard to control the Holy Spirit, honestly and joy, and mercy, and peace, and love, and grace, shared as widely, and liberally, and often as possible, so that people might be transformed into the kind of lives, and situations, and communities, even nations, that actually God designed for us to live in, and be part of, and to make with him 
long ago, that's not very governable, manageable, controllable. But that's what we've been invited to do. You and me, we approach the throne of grace with confidence, if we want to. I don't know why you wouldn't want to. But if you want to, you approach the throne of grace with confidence. And as long as your prayer, your desire, your wish for God to do something is in line with the things of God and enables his kingdom to come, it seems to me quite likely that God will grant it. That's what we're told throughout scripture and throughout Christian history. That to me is, is quite, you know, exciting, really. So we don't have to sit back and take injustice in the world, or war in the world, or evil in the world. Nor should we cause any of those things, either on a small scale, like excluding people from our fellowship because we don't like the cut of their jib, <coughs> or on a large scale by supporting people that we know do wrong things but they're quite nice sometimes, and perhaps even voting for them on occasions. We have an opportunity to show everybody else that there's a better way. But it's not just morals and ethics and doing the decent thing and, you know, all of that, although that does help sometimes. It's about the person of Jesus. Because he has conquered death and hell and evil. He has. I haven't. He has. We come together, it's lovely to be here, not to have a nice time and sing some songs and all of that, although that helps. We come to worship the living God who's conquered sin and death and hell. All of which in our world today seem quite close, don't they? A bit pressed in we are at the moment, there's a lot going on, and you could sometimes think, oh, could just give up really, this just doesn't ever seem to change, it's just worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. The Lamb has conquered, Amen. Jesus has conquered, there isn't anything else, that's what this is about. When Paul says you can approach the throne of grace with confidence, it's that throne that you go to. The one who's victorious. The inheritance that we have, all of us, is from that one. The church that is meant to show everybody else the glory of God, it was God's choice to use the church. I mean, what a choice to make. But it's God's choice to use the church. It's the church of the one who's conquered that God chooses to use. That's what it is. 
it's a it's a big thing but it, it's not about me being great or you girding your loins and being really strong all of this it's about god and his goodness and being willing to be used by him willing to speak for him and to act for him and to pray often regularly without ceasing that that's lots of small prayers not one long prayer for the kingdom to come that's our job god does the rest and he already has won the victory and so i would strongly recommend strongly recommend that you spend some time this week approaching the throne of grace with confidence because every time you do it your confidence will grow and it won't seem so strange Amen. Amen.